Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their worm will eat, word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying, The resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. So notice this mistake that was made here, because uh, the Apostle Paul, he's telling Timothy, you know, you want to preserve good doctrine, the things that you've learned among many witnesses, the same things you want to teach unto faithful men. You want to make sure you're rightly dividing the word of truth. You're preaching everything correctly in the Bible, whatever you're preaching from. Make sure what you're presenting, you're doing it accurate. Otherwise, you're going to end up looking bad. You're going to be ashamed. And if you start preaching false doctrine, people are going to get confused. They're going to get mixed up on things. And he mentions some guys, like Hymenaeus and Philetus. And he mentions a mistake that they've made. He said, concerning the truth have erred. Sometimes good people just make mistakes. Sometimes they just mess up. They, they get things wrong. They get a little too smart for their britches. And they end up... You know, preaching some dumb stuff, some bad things. And these guys got messed up and they said the resurrection had passed. Now, I believe that the resurrection and the rapture are the same event. I mean, it's, the, it's when Jesus Christ returns in the clouds that the dead in Christ shall arise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to, pre, uh, to meet the Lord in the air. That's an event that's coming. These guys said it was past. Now, I don't know how you could think you missed the rapture. I don't know how you could think that, but these guys did. All right? Obviously, they probably spiritualized it or something like that, and they were wrong. But the thing is that was, that was so bad about this type of thing is these guys you know, teaching this type of thing that they had done, we know, you know these were guys that you know, ended up overthrowing the faith of other people. And so that, you know, it, 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 says, you know, who, it says and they overthrow the faith of some. So to teach that the resurrection has passed when it hasn't is a very dangerous heresy because of the fact that it can overthrow the faith of some. And there is a teaching that's out there today known as preterism that teaches that the resurrection has passed. There, and, uh, and the title of my message tonight, is, uh, we're going to kind of do a series. I want to see how this goes because this is a subject that I'm really interested in. But at the same time, too, I don't want to bore people with just stuff I'm interested in. But I do. I think. I think it's interesting. I think there's some very valuable things that you can learn in here. And if I feel like I'm not being a help to you with some of this stuff, I might just make some my own videos about it because I want to kind of get the word out there uh, about this subject. But uh, the series is historicism versus futurism, and then uh, further title of this is going to be called the things which must shortly come to pass. Okay, now. You don't hear a whole lot about this because this isn't real popular in the Baptist world, even though it is, it is there to a certain extent. But the teaching of preterism, before I define historicism, let me define the term preterism for you in case you are not familiar with it. It's a Christian es eschatological, I can't say eschatological, view that interprets some uh, or all prophecies of the Bible as events which have already happened. Now, you have full and partial preterism. I'm not going to go into all the differences. But this school of thought, it interprets the book of Daniel as referring to events that happened from 7th century B.C. until 1st century A.D., 
while seeing the prophecies of Revelation as events that happened in the first century A.D. Preterism holds that ancient Israel finds its continuation or fulfillment in the Christian church at the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. And preterists, historicists, they love to talk about A.D. 70. And over these next few weeks, I hope to teach you a few things about A.D. 70, because I think it's a very interesting time in history, and, they, and it's one that most Baptists are very ignorant about. And so it makes it real easy for some of these people to step up and look smart, because they know some things that you don't know, even if it's not about the Bible. And then they're able to kind of tie things in and make it look like this is what Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, and it, and it can really confuse people. And they make some pretty good arguments. In fact, they make some really good arguments. And in, and in this world of preterists, it's usually preterists versus dispensationalists. And so what you have whenever, if you ever watch a debate between a preterist and a dispensationalist, it's very frustrating because it's like watching a debate between a Calvinist and an Arminian. Arminianist. Both are wrong. And so it's just, you, know, you don't know who you want to win. All right? In that debate between the Calvinists and the Arminianists, because it's like, you know, you, you hate when that Calvinist says that God chose some people to be saved and some to go to hell. You know, and the Arminianist, he doesn't really think that. But then he teaches, they teach you can lose your salvation, you can like walk away from your salvation and stuff. And so it's just like, you don't know who you want to win. And when I'm listening to preterists versus the dispensationalists, I've heard some of these preterists, I mean, take these dispensationalists to town on these things. I mean, just calling out a lot of the junk and the garbage that they preach. And I'm like, get them, you know. But then you'll have this preterist saying Jesus isn't coming back. And then I'm like, no, now I want the dispensationalists to win. And it's like... It's really tough, you know, but the truth is they're just both wrong. And, you know, I've got a huge problem if you're saying Jesus isn't coming back. And some people are actually teaching this. And I've talked to them and I've asked them that point blank. Do you believe that Jesus is literally coming back, that there's going to be a literal resurrection? And they say no. You know, and I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. That gets my goat a little bit. And if they're wrong then what they're teaching is going to overthrow the faith of some. That's the Apostle Paul said. You can bring that verse up and say, well, that's because it wasn't 80-70 yet. You know, but we're past that now. And so the thing, you know, I, I want to prove to you that the resurrection is not past. Jesus is coming back. And so that's what a preterist teaches. Now, there's also the historicist, which there's a wide variety of beliefs in this category. And some of them are full-blown heretics. Some of them, I think, are saved. Uh, some, some of them are actually some pretty good people that teach that a lot of prophecy has already been fulfilled. But let me read the definition of historicism. But in Christian eschatology, historicism is a method of interpretation of biblical prophecies which associate symbols with historical persons, nations, or events. The main primary texts of interest to Christian historicists include apocalyptic literature, such as the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. It sees the prophecies of Daniel as being fulfilled throughout history, extending from the past through the present to the future. It is sometimes called the continuous historical view. Commentators have also applied historicist method, methods to ancient Jewish history, to the Roman Empire, to Islam, to the papacy, to the modern era, and to the end times. So, you know, that's a pretty vague definition there. It covers a lot of stuff, but here's the people I'm putting in the historicist category. All right, this is just my categorization here. Okay, I personally believe that everything that we would 
consider tribulation events, the tribulation, the abomination of desolation, the wrath of God, mystery Babylon, the mark of the beast, the rapture, Gog and Magog, the whole nine yards. I do believe it's all in the future. I believe all these things. That's one area where I would would agree with the dispensationalists. Pretty much everything that they would say is in the future, I also believe is in the future with the only exception being some of the prophecies about the regathering of Israel, I believe those things were fulfilled in the Old Testament, which they're saying happened in 1948. But the thing is, that's still passed, I guess, since 1948 is passed. So pretty much anything a dispensationalist believes is in the future, I probably do too. I would just disagree with the order of how those events play out. Okay, But there are many people who believe things like the tribulation, The abomination of desolation happened in 70 A.D. And so while there's a, you know, there's no way I can preach one message to just kind of go after one group because there's so many and there's not a lot of consistency. I do want to kind of use these messages to prove that all of these things are future events that are to come. I I still believe they are in the future. And the the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D., though, that is the that is their thing. That's their main go to thing they like to talk about they like bringing up the works of josephus and i you know i i think there's interesting things there i enjoy reading it but um you know i'm not going to let it shape my doctrine very much and otherwise you can get in trouble and so many people they are teaching that most bible prophecy was fulfilled by 70 AD. said and some even teach that jesus returned spiritually before 70 AD, and that there is no rapture coming there's no tribulation coming And so one of the reasons they get away with teaching this is because there are a few verses where they're really good at stumping the dispensationalists. They're they're always bringing these verses up. And the dispensationalists, I can never find where they respond to these verses. I can never find where they bring these things up. Because it's real easy for us, you know, if, you know, somebody in the church is spreading preterism around, it's real easy for me to go to the Bible and prove that Jesus is still coming back, that there is a literal resurrection of the dead to come. That's easy to do, and you're all going to want to agree with me on that. Okay? But at the same time, what if that preterist has a verse that I don't have an answer for? You know, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not just going to ignore that verse and just go on to other things, which is what the dispensationalists do. The dispensationalists, they just ignore their weak points and you'll focus on the dispensationalist strong points, and the preterists do the same thing in the debates. And it's frustrating to watch these people debate because neither of them talk about the things that they should be talking about. And, 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 it's, and the problem is it's just that both of them are wrong. But I refuse to hide from any passage in the Bible. I want to be able to use the whole Bible, and if I'm going to try to debunk someone's teaching, I'm not going to go to our verses that we use to prove our point. I'm going to go to their verses. To prove her they're wrong. I'm not going to use a Sam Gip or a dispensationalist method where I won't touch, you know, like they don't want to touch Galatians 3. They don't want to touch Galatians 4, the 10-foot pole. Uh, if I was going to try to debunk replacement theology, I would try to do it with Galatians 3 and 4. Since that's where everybody's always going to. But they don't do that. And so I'm going to, I want to go to their passages tonight to, uh, to teach the truth. Because I do, I do believe that all the typical future things are in fact in the future. So let's look at a few of their passages that they use where they keep stumping the dispensationalists and making the, and making futurists 
which is what we are. We are in the futurist category. They're making futurists look bad, I think. And so they like going to Matthew chapter 23 and verse 33. Jesus said, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify. Some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, the son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now, I personally think that did in fact happen in AD 70 when they got wiped out. Jerusalem, I mean, it got its comeuppance for rejecting Jesus Christ. And he said here in Matthew 23, all these things are going to come upon this generation. Okay? Now, we're, we're going to say more. I'm going to say the this generation argument for another week. But I do want to show it tonight because this is one of their main things. So there, I think most people would agree that's probably talking about in 70 AD. I do think it's possible that it's not, and I'll, I'll explain that later or in, in another message. But in Matthew 24, when it's going through the tribulation, the return of Christ, what does it say in verse 34? Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, most futurists would look at that and say, well, let's talk about the generation that sees all these things. And, you know, and that, that, I think that's a good way to explain it. But at the same time, too, how come this generation in Matthew 23 meant that generation but this generation in Matthew 24 doesn't mean that generation. There's kind of an inconsistency there, right? Shouldn't we be able to explain that? If we're right, if that's what the Bible, if the Bible teaches in the future, we ought to be able to explain that. How come nobody wants to talk about that? All right? And I know why the dispensationalists don't want to talk about it. And I want to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it next. I'm going to talk about that probably next week or the week after. All right? That's not going to happen this week. Uh, I don't have time to get into that because it is kind of a longer explanation. But Jesus said in Luke 50, the blood of all the prophets, which is said from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. That sounds very much like that generation right there. He says in Luke 21, 31, so likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all be fulfilled. We've got to answer that question to the historicist. Why this generation, you know, doesn't mean that generation. All right, we, we've got to be able to answer that kind, that kind of question. And I believe that there is a very, very good answer for that. But we're not doing that one tonight. I'm going to make everyone wait on that one. But the one I want to focus on tonight is in Revelation. Okay, this, is, this is a go-to for them in Revelation. And I've, I've never heard any dispensationalists answer this for them. I don't hear anybody even trying to answer it for them. And I, I believe there's an answer. So in Revelation 1.1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he has sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. So right here in Revelation, he's saying the things I'm about to write unto you are shortly going to come to pass. Now how do you get 2,000 years in shortly? He says these things are going to shortly come to pass. Is 2,000 years shortly? We've got to answer 
We've got to answer these things. Nobody wants to answer it. It says in Revelation 22, 6, it says at the beginning, it says that at the end of Revelation, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. So, I mean, I think that's pretty clear right there. So they do. They've got the this generation argument. They've got the things which must shortly come to pass argument. And then the other thing that they have are historical accounts of events that look very much like the tribulation and things that Jesus talked about in the Olivet Discourse. They look very much like those things. And you go back and you read Josephus, and man, it looks like the words of Jesus are coming to pass, just like he said in Matthew 24, and they will hit you over the head all day with that stuff. What do we got to say about